right, all right, all right. I want to give a big shout out to those watching online. You may be on vacation. Uh, maybe like one of my friends texted me this morning and said, my daughter has strep throat and we're not going to make it today. Our Palm City Kids team appreciates that, but we sure do miss you. Come on, put your hands together for those joining us online today. Awesome. Awesome. No more clapping, so we're good. Okay, everybody's like, wow, this is getting... Yeah, come on. We want to be a culture of honor, and sometimes that takes a little sacrifice. So thanks for going along with us on the journey. But we've been in a series that I am just fired up about. I, I, I feel it's marked me personally, and, and I want it to. But here's the thought of this series on honor. It's, it's, it's a biblical value found cover to cover. But we want to be a church of honor. We want to be a people of honor. And the world may not know us for a lot, but may they say, man, those people are respectful, and they honor us, and, and they love me. They don't even know me, but they serve me. That's the heart of the house and the, and the spirit that we want to embrace as a church. But we said early on, this honor thing, it can't be an outside-in type of flow. Like, like these teachings, don't let it mark us from a standpoint of spiritual obligation. No, we don't honor just to do it. That, that, that's kind of rigid, and it won't last anyway. May this be a spiritual DNA that gets in our heart. And so we're not just doing it to do it. No, we're becoming it. Come on, somebody. Can we just adopt this in our homes, at the workplace, in our cars, with our spouse, with our kids? I believe God's going to give us continual opportunity to, to live out this call of honor on our lives. And we've been looking at a verse that we really just uh, dubbed our theme verse for this series. Very short verse, but powerful in meaning. It's found in Romans 12. We're going to put it on the screen for you if you want to write notes down. Would love for you to do that. I want you to read it aloud with me today. Not, not like it's a golf tournament, but like it's uh, Tampa Bay Lightning's game six tonight, okay? You're going to be shouting tonight, okay? Let's shout in church. Let's read it aloud together. Come on, Romans 12.10 says this. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourself. So honor one another is the command, but I think the, the mandate, the standard of how you do it is that next phrase, above yourself, that, that I'm giving you the preferred place uh, with my voice and, and sometimes with my ears. I'm, I'm thinking about your needs over mine, that I'm deflecting what I need or want or even desire in any given moment because I'm a person of honor, a man of honor, we're a people of honor, so I'm deflecting and I'm preferring you above myself. I'm giving you that right to have the place above. What did we say in week one? We said, here's what honor does. Honor elevates, but, but dishonor decimates. The honor allows people to be at the value that God sees them, but when we dishonor, we're really going against how God sees people, and we're bringing them down. We're not putting them above ourselves, as the scripture says. No, we, we're putting them right below where we are, Come on, I don't want to step on any toes this early in the message, but sometimes don't we do that? Whether it's out of fear or comparison or maybe our own insecurity, we just pull people down, maybe not all the way down, but just right below where we are so that we can feel a little bit better about what is happening in our life or maybe what we sense is not happening in our life. But I believe God is calling the church of his son, Jesus, to a place of not living for an audience of themselves, but living for an audience of one, that we would be a people that give preference to others and that we would honor them above ourselves. Here's the definition that we've said of honor, that it's esteeming someone. I like that word, esteeming. Yeah, feels, like, feels like my shirt's going to be crispy if I esteem. It's, it's not that kind of steamer, bro. 
it, we esteem, we just, oh, we talk good about people. We just, we add weight. We, we, we add value to their life. We are value adders. We, we're not joy killers. Come on, we add joy. We light, like Adam, we light up the room because we're bringing honor to every situation. Well, if honor adds weight, then dishonor, rightfully so, is when we take things lightly. So God's placed a value on some things in our life. First, himself, our, our spouse, our family, our possession, all these things. And when we dishonor them, we're really just pulling down the weight that God's placed in them to a level maybe that we're comfortable with. But I believe it's important for us as the people of God to get back to honor. And I, I just want to say this. It's going to sound like a church plug. Uh, and, and I guess it is. <laughs> so no apologies. Uh, but I think that's why it's important to be around church. It, we're not a perfect people by no means. You can look around real quick in this room, starting with me, and you'll find a bunch of imperfect people serving a perfect God. But what you will find here is people who don't want to pull you down. They want to push you forward. They want to push you towards your destiny. They want to push you towards your purpose. They want to push you towards God's best for your life and championing you along the way. May that be what church is known for. I don't know if I know all the doctrine. I don't know if I know all the theology, but I know that every time I'm around them, they just build me up. They make me feel good about myself, and they don't even know me. And better yet, when they do know me, they still make me feel good about myself. I, I think that's important. So week one, we dove into the question of where is the honor? Like Elvis, honor has left the building. We talked about that, right? I just dated myself. So anybody under the age of 35 is like, who Elvis? Well, they're coming out with a new movie, okay? It's, it, it, this was a real famous guy. And when he left his concert, they used to say, Elvis has left the building. I, I believe that's what's happened with honor. It, it's just left the building. But I believe the people of God need to bring it back to the building, the church of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to do. We talked about that in, in week one. I would encourage you to watch that if you didn't. It was kind of the inspirational part of the series, kind of the foundational teaching. And then week two, we moved a little bit more practical when we answered the question of, well, who do we give it to? Okay, I get it. I need to honor. Okay, I got, I'm, I'm, this is me. I'm carrying honor. What do, I, what do I do with it? Who do we give it to? So we talked about what the Bible outlines is six places in Scripture that we can find. Sometimes they're things. Sometimes they're people. Sometimes they're positional offices that we need to place our honor in. And I believe as a follower of Christ, that's a large part of what we do. We reorder our life based off our preferences to fit what Scripture says. That's what we do. Today... I want us to dive into probably the most practical part, and that is, how do we do it? Any how, how people in the room? Okay, thanks. Uh, the rest of you are scared. I'm not gonna, nobody else is coming to the stage today. I'm not going to call you out. You are free to raise your hand. Uh, Any how people, just practical. You like, you like to fix. You like, okay, that's great. You've inspired me. I'm actually adequately inspired. What do I do? I want to do it. But what do I do? We're going to talk about the how today and how do we honor? And so we tried to model it a little bit today in honoring our, our guy, Adam. But let's talk about how do we do this? Because I think if we can take it out of our head and not just in our spirit, but it shows up in our calendar and it shows up in our lives, that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where the pen meets the paper. And that's where people can see our love for God in that way. Number one, if you're writing this down, we've got to prioritize it. It's not profound. But it's powerful. We have to make honor a priority. I, I would encourage you, you can tell what you're honoring by simply looking at what you prioritize. Look, look perhaps at your calendar first. You, you can look through Monday and see what's on the calendar and not just what's on the day, but what's on the day first. And you can get an idea of what 
your values are. You can get an idea of what you're currently prioritizing in your life. Here's the thought we want to tie with prioritizing it. It is whatever you honor, you prioritize. Look at the, the theme verse in a different translation. It's the New King James Version. It says this, in honor, giving preference to one another. It, it, it's when you, when you get in that, um, I was in an elevator a few days ago, actually, and it dinged, and my family walked out, and then me and the dude were left. You know, we were, we were feeling good about ourselves. We honored everybody else, and he was like, after you. And I was like, <laughs> no, after you. He was like, <laughs> no, after you. And we were just sitting there trying to out. I was like, all right, man, I get it. I'll go. You're, you're the man. That's awesome. But that's really the heart of it is when we give, we give the best to the person next to us. When there's, when there's only one piece of bread left at Olive Garden. And we're real hungry. We're real hungry. We just said, no, you, after you. No, I, I prefer you over me. We just give honor to the other person. This week, um, I, I was in uh, Panera. Shout out. I'm talking about bread a lot today. Uh, <laughs> I was out of town. So normally I do a lot of my prep on like Tuesday and Wednesday is my personal flow. I do a lot of that. But it takes me about, I don't know, 8 to 12 hours, depending on the talk, to put something together. So I was out of town. My schedule was rearranged. So I spent all day Friday up in Panera just, you know, typing away and, and just prayerfully, you know, AirPods in, in the zone, my worship, my little coffee. It was just, it was glorious, y'all. I loved every minute of it, as I always do, preparing for our time together. And, um, and I, I'm sitting there preparing. Well, I was there a long time. And, and when, I, when I got there, it was pretty empty. And your boy was in that big comfy booth. Like it seats 27 people, just me though, you know, just that, that big type of booth. And so I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there and, and I'm just working on my message. Well, it was the lunch hour now and the place was, was filled up. And, um, and, and wouldn't you know it, this sweet, sweet lady, um, she was an elderly lady. Um, she, she had more energy than me, come to find out. But she just walking around. And I saw her go over my shoulder and I was like, Holy Spirit, I'm doing a message, okay? I'm busy right now, Lord. And, 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 and she came back and she was looking for, and, and this is not me because I miss it more times than not. But how many know when you're studying a topic or when you, God's doing a work in your heart, he's not just going to let you work it out. He's going to give you an opportunity to exercise it right there in that moment. So let me say, if you're praying for patience, be careful when you get in traffic today because God loves you so much. And he wants to give you an environment where you can exercise that patience. If you need patience, he's going he's to let your kids be a little extra crazy today, okay? So you can just learn how to be patient. So anytime you ask God for something, he usually doesn't just give you the thing you're asking for. He gives you opportunity to grow in the thing he's asking you for. So I'm like you. I'm trying to grow in honor. And I really want this to be a value that I don't just share on a stage, but I want to live it out every day of the week. And this one time... Uh, I, I, with the Lord's help, with God's grace, I, I got it right, and I, I, I stood up. I was real busy. I was like, Lord, I'm, I'm right in the heart of preparing you. I, don't, I love her. I wish her the best. And, and, and the Lord said, hey, come on, get up. And um, so I got up. I said, ma'am, you, you need a seat? So I was going to give her my seat. I'm packing up my stuff. She goes, well, I sure would love for you to have a seat. I don't have a lot of company much in my life. And that's what I said. And, uh, <laughs> and so I... I I said, yeah, absolutely. And we sat there for 35 or 40 minutes. And I told Kristen when I got home, out of all the prep and all the stuff that, that I needed to do and honestly had to do and honestly loved to do, that moment, didn't, didn't want it on the front end. It's kind of like the gym. Didn't want to do it. But when I left that moment with her, she ended up telling me that her husband had just passed away 30 days ago 
of Alzheimer's. And, and they'd been married 58 years. And he was 89. The last eight had been really tough uh, because he was, um, he, he was no longer coherent and, and cognizant. And, and you may not know this, but my dad, too, died of Alzheimer's. And in that moment, I started to see God's plan, that it really wasn't about preparing some talk. And that's important. But it was about meeting the need of a person that I had other preferences, but God was calling me to deflect those preferences to meet the need of someone else. And at that moment, I don't get it right a lot, but, it, but, I, but I stepped into that moment. And I'm telling you, Miss Lillian was a blessing to me. We swapped numbers. And she hasn't been to church in over 50 years. I've asked her to come. One day I'm believing she's going to. And I said, girl, you need some community. Get around some people. And um, we're a little crazy, but we're okay too. And, and, and so one day we're going to see her and I'm going to call her out when she's here. We're going to hug her neck. It's going to be great. But God's calling us as a church to, to not be self-focused, self-preserving, where we, where we want to offer enough, but not enough that costs us anything. We want to we do good, but nothing that makes us live in the zone of sacrifice. Nothing that causes us to step out of our convenience and into some inconvenience. Because it was very inconvenient. I was feeling the pressure of having a message. But I'm so thankful that, that God nudged me and that in that moment, not always, but I responded to God. I, I want to be a church, and I want us to be a church to where we realize whatever's first is honored. Here's one more example of our theme verse. It's, it's not a translation. It's a paraphrase. Romans 12.10 says it this way. Practice playing second fiddle. I love that. I, I get that. I need, I need it in street language sometimes. Like God is calling us to play second fiddle. But you can't just play second fiddle because you want to play second fiddle. How do you play second fiddle? Practice. Practice. That's our prayer for this week. Lord, Give me some opportunities to attend practice. I want to be someone who deflects. I want to be someone who gives honor to others. I want to give the preferential place in my life and in my schedule and in my time and in my possessions to other people just like you did. You didn't do what was best for you all the time. God did what was best for us. It was probably pretty comfortable in heaven, but we sing about it. Jesus left the portals of heaven to walk the earth and live and die the worst death known to humanity because he wanted to give preference to us, and I want us in return to live the same way. Can I get a good amen in this real quiet church today? How do we play second fiddle? I believe God will give you opportunities this week in our home and those environments. But the same is true with God. When we prioritize him, what are we doing? We're honoring him in the highest way. And you can see cover to cover, there are tons of scriptures about honor from cover to cover in your Bible. You can go look, research it. It is honestly endless. What you won't find is, is tons of practical ways to live honor out, which is interesting. I found a couple. We talked about them at the end of last week. The first way you honor God most is with your body. The Bible says you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So where you go, what you do, it matters. It matters. Don't let your body call the shots. You call the shot. You tell your body what we're going to do and what we're not going to do. So we honor God with our body. The second place, you want to know what it is? Our possessions. That God's calling us as a people to put him first in our possessions. What does God want to be first of? Everything. And a lot of times, our possessions have that priority in our life. God's wanting us to prioritize him, but we either intentionally or unintentionally or out of fear right, as seeing our possessions as our source, we, we, we prioritize our possessions. And God's calling us to put him 
first in that area. Now, the Bible says possessions aren't bad. So I want to free somebody today. Having stuff is not bad. The Bible says God's given you everything for your enjoyment. Having stuff and even lots of stuff is not bad. God just doesn't want stuff to have you. Okay? Think about your possessions. Do you have them or do they have you? Because that's what God doesn't want. And when we put things in the place of God's seat, number one in our lives, sometimes they never do what we want them to do for us, and we've unintentionally dishonored God. See, God doesn't want your finances. God's not, he's got streets of gold, everybody. God doesn't, he's got a cattle on a thousand hills, the Bible says. God doesn't need your finances. What he needs and what he wants, Charlie, is your heart. He wants your heart. And a lot of times our heart is connected to our possessions because we see them as our source, as our security, as our comfort, as our accumulation, whatever we see. And if you've ever moved, you know that. Oh, my gosh, who's had a hard time getting rid? You're like, I, am, I should be on the TV show Hoarders. I got so much stuff up in here, and I don't want to let go of anything. Kristen was showing me a picture the other day. She's like, can we let it go? I'm like, who painted that? That's like 1920. She's like, I know, it's special. Should we let? I'm like, yeah, trash it. We're gone. Right? We, got it. we can't let our possessions have us. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth. So how do you honor the Lord? With your wealth. And, and then what part of your wealth do you honor him with? First fruits. See, God wants to be first. He wants to have the seat of priority in your life. God wants to be first. And when we prioritize him as first, that's what we're communicating to God. You're, you're first. I, I'm proving it with the things that try to control me most and the things that try to enslave me most. You're first. So check it out. The principle of tithing is not a matter of finances. It's a matter of priority. It's a matter of order. I think the principle of tithing is less about the amount and more about the priority. It's more about the order of, in which you do it. We see that all through Scripture. God wants to know, hey, am I, am I before Publix? Am I before your mortgage? I know you love that iPhone. You get one every time it comes out. Am I before that? Right? Okay, pastor, we were good two minutes ago, but now you're treading. You're treading up in my business. I'm trying to. Because I love you and I want us together to see the mandate of Scripture and not only see it, but live it out. My dad um, was not a Christian for a long time, but he did teach me money. He was really good with money. He was a farmer, so he had to be, right? Save some for a rainy day, right? Um, just because you have it, don't spend it. All these principles that were just like ingrained to in me. I was like, Dad, you sound like a sounding gong, and now that I have kids, guess what I'm doing? Save some for a rainy day, right, Lo? I'm doing these same things, but... I had a job since I was 13 years old, paying for gas. Not at 13, but paying for gas tires. <laughs> I did drive early, but not that early. And, and, and just pay, paying for my own way. God, God, taught me, God, through my father, taught me those principles and learned them. But when it came to following Christ and following with that principle of tithing, I struggled. Now, now this isn't your story. This is my story. And I'm just sharing my story in, hope, in hopes of it being relatable to your story in some way. But you've got to hear from God. I'm not the Holy Spirit. And I'm not your Holy Spirit, but I do believe it's important to go there in our minds. And Kristen and I were on our way to a city group. This was about 15 years ago. We had just gotten involved in church and, and given our lives to God and going all in. And Lord Jesus, what does this mean? I, I, I said it, but I don't even know what it means. You know, anybody there, right? You're just walking it out. So we're going all in, and we're on the way to city group. We had to pull over, Brian Zemitis, in a strip mall parking lot because we were arguing. Anybody been on the way to the city group this summer? And you're just straight up in an argument on the way? 
Well, we like, we got to go in like we're Christians now. You know, we got to settle this argument. Remember this man? We pull over um, in, in about two miles from Rufy and Everett Simmons' house, and we pull over, and we're in an argument. And, and let me just tell you about my wife. She's way better in an argument than I am. She's much more witty. Uh, any husbands out there agree? Like, she, they give you that zinger, and you're like, oh, God, that was good. Um, <laughs> let, me, let me Google something. And, and then you're, you're trying to walk it off outside later, and you think of something, but it's not the moment, and you're actually going to start not the same argument, but you're going to start a new one if you come back with it. So that's our life. Pray for me. <laughs> and so we're, we're, we're in an argument in that moment. And listen, it just kind of escalates to this. I said, babe, do you know how much money that is? God was blessing my life at the time. I wasn't in ministry. God's blessing my life now. But I was in financial planning, and we were, we were doing good growing that business. And I said, do you know how much money that is? And, and Daniel, I'm telling you, she looked at me and said, no, Brian, I don't. But I know whose it is. That's what I said. Well, I, did, I didn't scream. Whoever was like, amen. No, I didn't do that. I was like, ooh. That's, that's the truth about it, that we're not funding a ministry when we give offerings and tithes. No, we're honoring God saying, you're first, not just in my words, not just in my day of the week, not just when I do things. You're first in my finances. You, they are not my source, God. You are, because your name is wonderful, your name is powerful, and I am serving Jesus Christ, my King, and it is a pleasure to give. I want to be a cheerful giver, not somebody who does it reluctantly or under compulsion or has to hear a great story or see the right video to give. No. I'm just looking for an opportunity to honor God, prioritize him in that way. And you guys are already doing that. You're in church on a Sunday. Come on, you've given him the first of your week. I want to encourage you tomorrow morning on Monday. It ain't good morning, America. It's good morning, Lord. Come on, spend time with Jesus in the morning. Read your Bible, pray, worship. When you honor God with the first of everything, he has the power to bless the rest. Look at that same verse in the message paraphrase. Honor God with... Now I see it on the screen. Honor God with everything you own. Give him the and the, yeah, we give God the first and the best, not out of obligation, but because it's a priority in our lives. Remember, whatever is first is honored. I believe that's a big, a big deal to prioritize it. How do you honor? You make it a priority. It shows up in your calendar, and you just make a commitment to it. Number two, if you're writing notes, write this down. We praise it. Come on, did you know honor has a language? Did you know there's a language of honor? As a matter of fact, if you, if you, let me ask you a question you don't have to answer. Are you speaking the language of honor? Are you speaking the language of honor in your home, with your kids, through your text? Honor has a language. See, we're different than society. We're not a perfect people, but society is loose with that tongue. They'll cancel you, criticize you, cut you down, bring you low, and we love them. They don't know the way of Jesus, and we're learning the way of Jesus, but that is not the way we're called to live. We're called to live the way of the church of Jesus Christ, where we realize our words have power. There's actually no neutrality in your words. The Bible says in Proverbs 18, not in your notes, I think it's 21, the power of life and death are in the tongue. There are no neutral words that you can speak. So before you open your mouth, you need to know you're either building or tearing with every word that comes out of your mouth. And if you want to be a person of honor, and I know you do, you wouldn't be in church if you didn't. It starts with our words. We have to realize that our words either honor or dishonor. The Apostle Paul, this was a dude who wrote most of your New Testament. Your Bible has two Testaments, Old and New, 66 books. 27 of them are in the New Testament. 
And this guy named Paul, who was a Christian killer, ends up being a Christian writer. Crazy story. Awesome. We'll talk about that another day. But every letter he writes starts with shout-outs. Does anybody, anybody love shout-outs? He's like, yo, what up? <laughs> yo, my dog. Kind of like we did with that. What's up, my guy? Come on, get on up here. You know, he just, he's like, yo, Priscilla and Aquila, I see you. I love you. My boy Epaphroditus. He actually says about Epaphroditus, hold this man in high honor. There's not a lot of people about him. One guy named Onesiphorus. I just love that name. That's why I put it in here. Onesiphorus. He said, Onesiphorus refreshed me in the Lord. While I was in chains, he refreshed me in the Lord. And because Paul knew the language of honor, we're here 2,000 years later hearing names that likely would have been omitted from the Bible if the apostle Paul wouldn't have adopted this biblical value of honor and not just adopted it in his mind but let it come out in his mouth. A lot of times we have to realize that what's in the well comes up in the bucket. Mm, y'all ain't ready for the, Look, out of, the, out of the heart, the mouth speaks, the Bible said. So if you've got a word problem, you really don't have a word problem. You may perhaps have a heart problem. Okay, so don't just treat the mouth. You've got to treat not the fruit. You've got to treat the root. So if you've got some word problems, don't just say, Lord, look, put a guard over my mouth, and that's going to be external, and it's going to be limited in its impact. But if you're having trouble in that area, don't be condemned. God has a plan. God has a pathway. But you need to ask the Lord to come and do it in your heart, because out of the heart, the mouth speaks, the Bible says. Our words either honor or they dishonor. So this week, let's be a people, both publicly and privately, that speak honorable words. When we're at the water cooler, let's don't give lip service to our boss, our, debt report, our direct report, our supervisor, when they're around and they're listening and they're watching. Come on, if you own a business, you're like, you should be saying amen right now. Look, when, when, when they're not around, even if I don't agree with the call we've made, I'm going to publicly honor and do it in the right way. With your spouse at home, Come on, that can be the place where we miss it the most. Publicly, we could be a man of honor. Praise God, hallelujah, blessed and highly favored of the Lord. You know, we can say all these church languages and then in the confines of our home just be spewing rotten, putrid words of dishonor all the time. And I'm calling us, because I've already called myself, back to a place that our words align with God's word and God's heart. And the best way to do it is remember God's claim on that person. You may say, well, I don't like them. And I may say, I'm sorry, God does. <laughs> that, that I get what they've done to you is wrong, but vengeance is the Lord's. Vengeance has never been your role. Honor is your role. Now, honor is not saying things that aren't true. Sometimes honor is not saying anything. Sometimes honor is silence, biting my tongue, holding my tongue when I really want to spray it. James 3, 9 says this, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father so we, we at 1030 Palm City Church, we're doing that with our tongue. Watch this. And with the same tongue, we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. That's a bad place to be when we get that way. We have been here singing hallelujah, blessed be the Lord. We're doing all the things. But when we get out there with the same tongue, if we do it the other way, it's not good. In verse 10, a continual fault to verse 9 says, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters... This should not be. 
Paul's talking to Christians. He called them brothers and sisters. This is not the call of God on the public. This is the call of God on his people. This should not be. May our mouths not have a contradiction. In one setting, we're giving praise to God. But in the very next setting, we're cursing and belittling people in the same breath. Honor begins with God's claim on them. Check out this first, last one, and we'll move on to the final point today. Ephesians 4 29 says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. How much? Any. I looked up the Greek word for that. I did a deep study on it. And it means none. Okay? Any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what? What is helpful for building others up according to their needs. You see that preference? That it's not just, hey, reprimanding your words. No, it's giving preference to honor. Let the words that come out of your mouth go through the filter of, is this helpful? And go through the filter of, is this building? And if it passes that test, let the words out of your mouth be there for the building of others and to meet their needs. Not in our name, but in the name of Jesus. And here's another connected thought, verse 30. What's the, what's the consequence if we don't? The Bible says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. That, that, that hit me this week, that, that I'm not just missing the mark, but, but I'm creating an environment where the Holy Spirit goes. And I don't want that in my life, and you don't either. I, I, don't, I don't want to do anything that brings separation from God's presence and power in my life because I need it a lot. But when our words, it's not our actions it's as simple as our words when they do things that go against God's word and God's best for people. It grieves the spirit of God. And I think we've got to take that into consideration. So what does honor do? Honor prioritizes. It says what's first is honor. Honor praises. It, it, it understands that our words either honor or they dishonor. Number three, write this down. Honor protects. Wouldn't you agree that what you value, you protect? You, you probably locked your car on the way in today. You, you probably know where your purse or your wallet is right now. Hopefully you know where your kids are, okay? I'm just, no judgment if you don't. But, but honor protects because everything that is valuable gets our protection. And the more we value something, here's the promise, the more value we can receive from it. So it actually benefits you. The more I value something by protecting it, protecting its reputation, protecting its honor, not devaluing it, but adding value, putting weight to it, not taking weight from it. Every time I do that, I'm bringing protection to the thing that I have deemed valuable in my life. Did you know God protects you? The Bible says he places a hedge of protection around you. Did you know that God protects you, that he says that though the weapon may be formed in your life, it's not going to prosper. It's not going to prevail. It's not going to accomplish what the devil meant for it to accomplish in your life. That maybe it was formed and you're, you're going through that right now and your body and your finances in some area. But God's not going to let it overtake you. God is protecting you right now because he's honoring you. Some would say something is worth what someone's willing to pay for it. I believe God paid a high price for us in his son Jesus. That shows you the Lord has honored you because he has seen you valuable. He's given heaven's treasure 
to have a relationship with you and I. May we understand that honor protects. I want to tell you an Old Testament story. There's this dude named Noah. The Bible says he was a good man. Actually, things weren't working out. God's like, I'm gonna, let me get a mulligan. Let me get a redo here. And, and he sent a flood for 40 days and 40 nights. And he told Noah to build an ark. Well, well they had never seen rain. This was the level of obedience that, that, and faith that Noah had in God. He'd never seen rain. God said, build a boat. He said, what's a boat? It's going to protect you from the rain. Well, what's rain? <laughs> and he, and he, in obedience and faithfulness, he just did what the Lord said. So he was a good man. But after the flood ended, after all that had come to an end, what did he do with his life? Well, the Bible says he ended up planting a vineyard. <laughs> he was like, I'm going to go into culinary business. I'm going to create Welch's grape juice. It's going to be great. So he, he plants this vineyard, and he starts growing grapes. Well, one day, <laughs> Noah got drunk, y'all. He got drunk, and then usually when you get drunk, the next thing, he got naked too. You've heard naked and afraid. This was where, this was drunk and naked. Students look at me. I don't care how cool people say getting drunk is. It's not. It's not. Don't do it. Don't do it. Come on, it's not cool. Plus, there wasn't cell phones. There are now. It'd be really, it'd be really awkward. For, and the internet never dies. So once it's out there, okay, just I love you. I'm your pastor. I love you. So Noah planted a vineyard and got drunk. Well, the Bible says Noah had three sons. And the first son that found him in his vulnerability mocked him. He, <laughs> he went and told everybody, hey, you seen dad in there? He's drunk as a skunk, man. He just got saw stuff on that. He just got drunk. Hey, did you see dad? He's naked as a jaybird, man. He's butt naked. You know what, buck naked? He's just he's naked in there. He's drunk. He's, man, all kinds of things. Hey, it's awful in there. And he, and, he, and he dishonored his father. He didn't realize his honor was t attached to his father's. And he, and he dishonored his father in that moment. But Noah had two other sons that, that they brought honor to what was dishonorable. You see, Noah was a good man. He just made a bad decision. And, and instead of exposing him in his vulnerability... The Bible says his other two sons, in honor, grabbed a cloak, like a coat or a cloth, and didn't even, didn't even go in, didn't even let their eyes see his father and his vulnerability. It, probably not just so that they didn't remember, but to honor him, that he would be able to save face in a low moment, in a weak moment in his life. And the Bible says they walked in backwards, and they covered their father. And the Bible goes on to tell us that those two sons were in, end up being blessed, and the other son end up being cursed. I think when we realize that honor protects, we have to realize the fact that we don't expose people in their vulnerability. As Christians, we may have them, man. They, they may hit a low moment, and they've been mean to us, and we may have every reason under the sun to drag them out and expose them in their vulnerability, but no, we are people who cover them. We don't cover sin. Sin has consequences. We have to deal with sin. But we don't expose the person in their weakness. We don't do what culture does and write them off. But like Noah's sons who got it right, we bring honor to where there's dishonor. That, yeah, we address the sin, but we tell that person, you're not what you've done. And I know that's what you did, but that's not who you are. And we tell them to get back up, and we help them find a pathway to come back into a relationship with Christ. Can we be a church who not only prioritizes God and 
in our personal lives and our possessions, all that stuff. But we don't only get our words right. We're not going to get it all the right all the time, but we make a commitment to praising, letting, letting the language of honor being something we embrace. But can we be a church that protects others in their vulnerability? That maybe even as of this week that we have people upset with the decision made in the, in the rulings of the court. But now's not the time to tell people that we're right and you're wrong. Now's not the time to be gloating over a decision. Yes, we honor and we give all praise to God because we do believe in the sanctity of life. But we also realize there's a whole group of people who are making decisions and have made decisions that make them feel ostracized and exposed and vulnerable. And they're looking for the church. Are you going to expose me in my lack of dignity in this moment? Are you going to cover me? Let's be a church that covers people. We don't cover sin. Sin has to be dealt with. But we do it the right way. Remember we said earlier, attitude is everything. And Noah's sons had the right attitude. They, they didn't cover their father's sin. There were consequences for it. But their approach to his vulnerability was done with honor and in Jesus' name. Would you bow your heads with me today? Father, we pray that we would be a people of honor. God, as we conclude this series, we're asking not for our own ability to live out these calls and these mandates and these scriptures, Lord. We know they're not suggestions. They are commands, but we need your grace to live it out. We need truth and we need grace. We don't want one over the other. We want the combo in our life. The truth is what sets us free, but the grace is there when we don't get it right, and the grace is there to help us get it right. It's on both ends. Help us today to be a people of honor and a church of honor. God, you know one of our values as a church is people is our passion. People aren't a project to us, God. They're not a number in a seat. They are what you value and you gave your son for. And in the same breath, we want to be a people more than ever before that does everything in our power to love, serve, reach, connect, encourage, and help along the journey of faith that we're all on. Help us to not just have it as a cool value, but help us live it out in our daily lives. Thank you, God, for honoring us. Thank you for giving us Jesus. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Look at me real quick. I want to give you one more verse. Because I know we're in a room where people want to be people of honor. And the Bible talks about that in 2 Timothy 2. It says, but in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some for honor and some for dishonor. Let me talk to this in, in layman terms. You've got some things in your house that are the china, the fine china that you only bring out on special occasion. And then you got paper plates, everybody. Come on, where are my paper plate? Right? So that, that's what the Bible says. And some things have this value. Some things have this value. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself. Notice, it's not on God. It's on you. God's already made the way, but you've got to do it. If anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor. That's our end game. We, we want to be a vessel, fit, sanctified, useful, prepared for every good work and ready for God to use us in a great way. How do you become a vessel of honor? I look through, all throughout the scripture. 
How do you become this person of honor that just doesn't have a head knowledge of it and uses effort as long as effort or willpower will last? Here's, here's the key. Look at these verses. Proverbs 15, the fear of the Lord teaches a man wisdom and humility comes before honor. Proverbs 18, before his downfall, a man's heart is proud, but humility comes before honor. Proverbs 22, 4, humility and the fear of the Lord bring wealth and honor and life. Proverbs 29, 23, a man's pride brings him low, but a man of lowly spirit gains honor. You want to know the key to it all? Humility. It's living a life of humility, saying, I am not going to live a life of pride. No, I'm going to crucify my pride and live in humility. I'm not going to prefer my needs above others, but I'm going to lay my knees down and serve other people. I'm going to pray, God, your will be done. Your kingdom come, not my own. I'm going to use my tongue to bless and not curse. I'm going to esteem others before myself. I'm going to make the choice to serve, not just when it's convenient, but as a lifestyle and as an everyday practice. I'm going to, in humility, let that be the key to living a life of honor. The Bible says God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Does anybody here today want to live a life of grace? The key is humility. One person said, a man on his face cannot fall from that position. I want us to stay low as a church. We don't get caught up in headlines and we don't get caught up in the latest gossip. And even when there's prayer requests, we don't find ourselves really getting on a slanderous gossip tour in the name of praying for somebody. But we stay pure in our heart and honorable with our words and our actions. We're prioritizing God above them all and we're protecting the unprotected and we're protecting the vulnerable and their weakness. And we're doing it all in the name of Jesus. Bow your head one more time. We're going to close today, but I want to give a space to anyone who feels like maybe I need to lower myself before God. Maybe you've been calling the shots on your life. You've been putting yourself as first place, and you really haven't submitted to God and His Lordship. Maybe you know Jesus is Savior, but if you're honest, you would say, Brian, He's not Lord. I haven't given Him Lordship of my life. I haven't given Him the control of my life, I can really sum up what that means in one word, is surrender. Salvation is simply surrendering your heart to God. It's saying, I'm not really good at calling my own shots. I'm, I'm going low so that you can have the seat of honor in my life. If that's you today, we're not going to play games. But I do want you to take a step of faith today on the count of three. I want you to raise your hand. You can slip it up, slip it right back down. If you want to become a person of honor by honoring God, making him not only Savior but Lord of your life, on the count of three, one, two, three. Come on, raise your hand. Yeah, I see you. Great. Slip it up, slip it right back down. This is your moment. This is not anyone else's moment. I want to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to help you with the words. Say something like this. Jesus, today I give you first place in my life. I'm not just adding you to the list. I'm making you the list. Be first in every area of my life. And now make a commitment. I'm going to live for you fully and completely with your grace and power. In Jesus' name. Everybody said a big amen. Come on, let's celebrate one more time. Show them some honor. We had some hands go up in the room. Maybe you've made that decision online. Shoot us an email. Let us know what God's doing in your life.